Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. <coughs> so welcome to the Saturday morning talk at the Austin Zen Center. Uh, my name's Tim, and I'm visiting. Um, for those of you that don't know, Mako is off studying with our teacher in uh, California for a little bit of time. Um, and uh, we have a great surprise uh, that we have some visitors. So I'm really happy to be sitting up here um, with these folks, and I'll introduce them in a little bit. Um, um, but before I do, I just wanted to say a few words about, um, you know, connection, about connection to other people as, um, as a kind of gift of practice. Um, so I think it's more clear to me when um, we have friends from Japan here um, how interesting it is that you know a group of Americans are um, bowing and chanting and sitting in this way. Um, um, I think when we do it normally, we're just sort of doing. Uh, our practice, you know, and we come here because we enjoy practicing with each other. Um, but when we have visitors from Japan, especially, it makes me think of, well, where did this practice come from? How do we know this practice? Um, <clears throat> it's interesting because I think as Americans, this isn't always our best trait. We're not always so curious about where things come from. Um, so it comes as a surprise that idea like huh this was this actually existed before we were doing it um. <laughs> <clears throat> so in Zen there's a big um, emphasis on um, uh, lineage it's sort of a family of ancestors who kind of um, through their practice efforts you know, bestow this practice on us. Um, and so uh, it's something I've always enjoyed about Zen, that there's this emphasis on looking back and seeing um, how this all came about. So for us in particular, um, we just chanted, and in the echo to the chant, there's this sort of, you know, our first ancestor in India, our first female ancestor, the first ancestor in China, the first ancestor in Japan, and then Shunryu Suzuki, who, who in the 1950s brought um, Soto Zen uh, to America, to San Francisco. Um, and then eventually Zenke Blanche Hartman, who, uh, as a student of Shunryu Suzuki's, brought uh, this practice here to Austin. Um, <clears throat> So I often think of Shunryu Suzuki as my teacher in a, in a way that uh, I've never met him, you know. Um, but his life and his words have had a very big impact on my life. Um, and I think one of the qualities that I um, feel really grateful for, for kind of being introduced to Shunryu Suzuki is his sort of passion for Zazen. So Zazen as this way of connecting to our life, you know, to ourselves, 
and uh, to other people as well. Um, <clears throat> so this is from a talk called Walk Like an Elephant. So the title means slow down, you know, don't try and be a cheetah. Um, He says, we do not practice zazen to attain enlightenment, but rather to express our true nature. Even your thinking is an expression of your true nature when you are practicing zazen. Your thinking is like someone talking in the backyard or across the street. You may wonder what they are talking about, but that someone is not a particular person. That someone is our true nature. The true nature within us is always talking about Buddhism. (laughs) Whatever we do is an expression of our Buddha nature. So one of the earliest Zazen instructions that was really helpful for me um, was to understand that my goal in sitting Zazen is not to um, somehow wrestle my mind into being quiet, to stop my thinking. Um, That actually that effort, that struggle um, might actually make my mind louder. (laughs) So in another talk called Mind Weeds, he says, um, I'm sorry, Mind Waves. He says, when you are practicing Zazen, do not try to stop your thinking. Let it stop by itself. If something comes into your mind, let it come in and let it go out. It will not stay long. When you try to stop your thinking, it means you are bothered by it. Do not be bothered by anything. It appears as if something comes from outside your mind, but actually it is only the waves of your mind. If you are not bothered by the waves, gradually they will become calmer and calmer. So if we don't struggle with who we are or what we are, then our true nature is present. So Suzuki Roshi um, had a very strict teacher, uh, 
and he had this idea that he would love to come to America and, and kind of teach Americans how to practice zazen. He had this sort of idea or this dream very early in his life, and his teacher said, no, no, you, you, that's not what you're going to do. <laughs> um, and sometimes I wonder if that, um, that no was a blessing, you know, that no, you can't go there. Um, so this is our connection with other people. Other people have a say in uh, how we appear in this world. Um, and we don't know. We don't know uh, what their effect is on us in the moment. I'm sure Shinryu Suzuki was deeply unhappy that he couldn't fulfill his dream or, um, or that his teacher disapproved. Um, and so instead, you know, I think in his early 20s, he was sent to Eheji, which is the, um, the, the main train, one of the two main training monasteries in Japan for Soto Zen. Um, and he spent a year at Eheji and loved the practice, loved the emphasis on Zazen, you know. And he was so excited about... Um, what he found there that he brought back to his teacher this this kind of excitement you know this is wonderful and his teacher said I think maybe uh, you should go to um, Sojiji so you shouldn't stay at Eheji um, So maybe that no from his teacher is why we're all here today. You know, we don't know. Even when we're disappointed, we don't know what that is going to lead to. Um, so the next year he went to Sojiji, the other main training monastery in Japan for Soto Zen. And loved it, you know, and it was closer to his home temple so he could still leave and take care of his duties at his home temple and um, after a year, about a year there, he shared his excitement with his teacher that this was working out even better than a Heiji, you know. <laughs> and his teacher said, uh, so maybe you should leave Sojiji. <laughs> And the funny thing is, I think, you know, from what I've read or heard, I think uh, Suzuki Roshi had a little bit of a kind of feeling of inferiority the rest of his life that he didn't get this kind of big elaborate training at these um, wonderful training monasteries, that he was forced to go back and um, live at his home temple. But again, I wonder if the practice that we're given would be the same, you know, if, if not for those turns in his life. <clears throat> so I just wanted to introduce one, one last um, kind of thought for practice. 
um, from Katagiri Roshi, who was a um, another uh, Japanese priest that was, uh, I think, teaching in L.A. But um, Shinryu Suzuki kind of asked him to come to the San Francisco Zen Center to help him there, and he ended up being a really um, instrumental teacher in early kind of American Zen. Um, and this is on a chapter called Repentance. And I think um, this word has a different meaning for Katagiri Roshi than maybe for, I don't, it's not a word that we use a whole lot in English. And when we do, it's kind of a, has a severe connotation, repentance, like get on your knees and repent. Um, but I think when I was reading this, the word humility came to mind. So maybe when you hear the word repentance, Maybe you can experiment with replacing it with humility. But Katagiri Roshi says, Repentance in Buddhism is to lead us to the present, right in the middle of peace and harmony. It is the perfect openness of our hearts that allows us to hear the voice of the universe beyond the irritation of our consciousness. Repentance itself makes our life perfectly peaceful. I'll just repeat that one line. He says, it is the perfect openness of our hearts that allows us to hear the voice of the universe beyond the irritation of our consciousness. great pleasure to um, have some guests here today, including myself. I mean, I'm a guest here, and then I'm introducing other guests, <laughs> which is kind of funny, but um, <clears throat> um, so just in the last few days, there's been a kind of flurry of emails uh, going back and forth that we have some visitors in town, and there's a whole delegation of Japanese monks and um, government officials and they're all here for South by Southwest. And um, just in the last few days, we somehow got connected so that we could have this um, sharing today. Um, and uh, I'm gonna ask you know, the monks that are up here to say a few words, but also we'll have tea afterwards. So there's, um, there'll be more opportunity to um, speak with them and ask them questions as well. Um, and in the midst of this flurry of emails, I realized that I actually have met um, Kojima-san um, at Tassahara. So um, I was very excited to hear that he would be here today. Um, uh, so yeah, without further ado, so there's... Um, Four of us up here. One of us is a photographer. Um, <laughs> um, so, Gyoke Yokoyama is here. He is um, the secretary of the Soto Zen Buddhist Buddhism North America office. And he's also the resident priest at the Long Beach Buddhist Church in California. So, and he... 
Thank you for being here. Yes. Yes. And he also was the sort of lead in giving this presentation last night at South by Southwest, if any of you were there. Um, and Shumyo uh, Kojima is the resident priest at uh, Zen Shuji in Los Angeles, um, a, a very famous older temple. Um, and we also have uh, Reverend Taiga Ito. Reverend Ito is the secretary of the Soto Zen Buddhism International Center, which is in San Francisco. Um, and then our photographer, Yuji Ito, <laughs> is the, uh, he's the assistant director of the Soto Zen Buddhism International Center, also in San Francisco. So um, I'd love to pass it off to them and have them say a little bit more about themselves and where they're from. Who would like to start? Good morning. Good morning. I'd like the team, team sounds introducing me. My name is Taiga Ito. I'm coming from San Francisco and I'm working in uh, Soto Zen Buddhism International Center and our office is in Sokoji where the uh, Suzuki Roshi was abbot in the 1950, mm -hmm. end of 1950. Mm -hmm. And today I'm talking about a little bit of the Soto Zen in America. And Soto Zen America is starting from 1922. Mm -hmm. And the first temple in America is the Zenshuji, the Kojima-san. Mm -hmm. Then, in 1960s, the Suzuki Roshi started the San Francisco Zen Center, and also Maizumi Roshi starting the Los Angeles Zen Center of Los Angeles. So, for example, like Tasahara and Zen Center of Los Angeles, they having the 50th anniversary last year. So as I told you, Soto Zen in America started in 1922. That means we have the 100th anniversary in the 222. It's five years ahead. So we start moving to the celebration for the anniversary, 100th anniversary in 2022. So, towards that commemorative event, maybe we will ask you to help us or having the big step together to the 100th anniversary. So please help us and uh, go forward together, living together. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> My name is Gyokei Yokoyama. Um, I'm currently serving the Soto Zen Buddhism North America office. 
which is, um, I know it sounds really official, <laughs> but <laughs> um, we have an organization called Association of Soto Zen Buddhists, called Anshur ACD. It includes some Japanese missionaries, and then now we have, let's see, 55, 56 members that includes all American teachers. Um, and I'm also a member of SCBA, sounds really similar, Soto Zen Buddhist Association. Um, I think there are a total of 300 members, the teachers. Um, so while I advocate some traditional aspects of the practice, I'm learning quite a bit from the teachers in North America. My, while I, as I said, I advocate these traditions, I'm better about institutional aspect. <laughs> as well. But I have a full admiration to all the practitioners and teachers. Um, I, my original uh, lay practice before I became a priest, though I was born just as majority of priests are in Japan, uh, I was born in a temple. But my personal journey and this practice started in college days uh, when I met this Jesuit missionary who was practicing Zen in their small chapel. They had a full training in Kyoto. Uh, elder man, a father, a Lizen Hoover, uh, showed me a way to do Zazen. <coughs> it was interesting, <laughs> very interesting. <laughs> then from there I went to a monastery. And some, for some time I wasn't really, I had to kind of stop. There was a time, like, um, I would not go too much into details. But then that's when I encountered Shinju Suzuki Roshi's book in the library. It was just by accident. And his uh, teachings uh, made me really think about the practice. So he really is, is a source of inspiration. And, uh, let's now, let's see. I serve Long Beach Buddhist Church, which is a small Japanese-American Buddhist temple. and. Uh, of a sort of a dying congregation, if I dare to say. Uh, memberships come and going down. Uh, everybody's sort of getting older. But, uh, my mission there is to restore the, the temple, the community, by bringing in more diversity, while making our traditional practice somewhat more understandable to the younger generations. Um, so, in that sense, you know, this growing, um, uh, the movement, this, um, what, uh, what I call mainstream Western Buddhism, I'm very keen on learning more, so it's a great pleasure uh, here. If you don't mind, I'd like to share just this is a very short teaching that I recently shared with a Sotoshu, my central office, um, and uh, you may find it boring, but I'll, I'll give it a <laughs> Uh, this is what I shared as for they have a project to upload these teachings and share it with a more wider range of people. And it's definitely based on the Sotos and teaching, but it goes this way. To see that you experience many events and encounters people in our life going from one point to another is a misleading view. To see that life is experiencing itself through many different forms in this ever-continuing state of oneness is an awakened view that helps us transcend the ocean of life and death. 
as I live in Long Beach, a few times a week I go down to the beach, and I walk along, as I walk along the beach near the temple, the waves come and go, appear and disappear. And we all see we're very much like these waves appearing and disappearing. Big waves, small waves, waves that appear on the beach, they're waves that crash into the rocks. Some go away quickly and some stays quite long, going back to where they all come from. If we compare ourselves to the waves, we are always comparing one another, trying to be a better wave, <laughs> trying to be a bigger wave, trying to show up in a better place and try to stay longer. <laughs> so definitely. But we don't know who we truly are. Waves in the ocean would truly know what they are when they realize that they are none other than the ocean itself, where all the waves are interconnected beyond these forms. The appearance and disappearance of the waves are no longer a problem once we realize this original self. This realization keeps us deeply connected with the source where we come from. This is beyond our words, thoughts, or even consciousness. So, we sit. This small wave we call I ceases to mutter, not so much. That's when a larger sense of I, much bigger, bigger I beyond the small I prevails and liberate our confined mind from the dualistic, discriminative thinking we use. And that's when we, you no longer are bothered by the notion of us against them, a life against death, a right against wrong. And that's when you become the ocean. And you can clearly sense where this idea is coming from if you are well versed with Shinjutsu Kiyoshi's teaching. But again, uh, it's a great pleasure uh, to be able to share this time and a part of your sangha. Thank you very much. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, my name is Yuji Ito and another Ito. I work together <laughs> with uh, another Ito. <laughs> we are not relatives. <laughs> anyway, uh, I came to the U.S. in, in 2004, and then uh, I went to the uh, Iowa and uh, Mount Mercy in New York, and also Tassahara. And in 2004, you know, I met in Marco, and I practiced together with Marco at Tassahara for winter, uh, no, autumn practice period. Yeah. Hmm. And, you know, probably, you know, Tassahara, you know, uh, there is no internet connection. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> right now, I don't know right now, present situation. But in 2004, you know, no internet connection. And also no, you know, uh, there is a phone, but in bad weather, we, we couldn't reach, you know, we cannot, uh, we couldn't use the phone in bad weather. You know, and I got married, I got married uh, in 2004, January. And then I came to the U.S. You know, in April by myself. Mm. <laughs> so and then, 
sometimes I try to you know, uh, reach my wife, but sometimes you know, I couldn't use the phone at that time. <laughs> so, so that's why you know, I always wrote a letter. But anyway, uh, and then you know, it, uh, April in 2005, I started working at uh, Soto Zen Buddhism International Center in San Francisco. And uh, uh, at that time, you know, uh, the director was uh, Shohaku Okumura. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, 2000, I think, nine, 2009, uh, Isho Fujita, probably you know Isho Fujita. He's a very you know uh, uh, mm, unique character. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he has a unique character. You know his you know his uh, the way of his teaching of the Soto Zen is a very you know is very mm, unique. Uh, right now, you know, he's a uh, uh, part-time worker, so that's why he spent uh, he spent most of his time in Japan. But in 2009 and 2010, he traveled a lot in the U.S. Of, and also, sometimes you know, uh, he went to the, you know Europe and the South America to teach, you know, to give a talk and to teach uh, Zazen. And you know, Reverend Shohaku, Reverend Okumura, you know, he's he also you know, he also very famous uh, teacher, you know. Not only the U.S. but also all over the world. But <laughs> Reverend Okumura is uh, kind of you know, the kind of authentic way. <laughs> but Fujita is uh, it's kind of a very <laughs> unique. <laughs> he's sometimes his his way is not always in an authentic way. So but anyway <laughs> So, see. Yeah, anyway, uh, Tim San, uh, as T Tim San said, you know, uh, connection is important. Connection? Mm -hmm. Connection or relationship. Mm -hmm. you know, uh, San Francisco Zen Center started, you know, uh, start by Reverend Shunryu Suzuki Roshi. So, probably we are, we are actually, you know, uh, we are not here without him. So, and also, you know, we are not here without our parents. So that's why we have to always think about it. And uh, I'd like to introduce my uh, 
favorite words. Fish swims as fish. Bird fly as bird. And you practice as you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, it seems my turn. Uh, my name is Shumio Kojima. Nice meeting you. And I was surprised that uh, the Kim-san, uh, I met him in this morning. I saw it first time to see. <laughs> nice meeting you. <laughs> this is, I met it. <laughs> yeah, actually, uh, he told me that uh, you gave me the calligraphy to me. Oh, that team son. <laughs> but uh, it was uh, about 10 years ago. Yeah, seven or eight years, maybe nine years. Ago. Nine years. Yeah. Nine years. Yeah. The flashback at the moment. <laughs> and also, uh, I was expecting to see Mako-san uh, here uh, because uh, I met her at Tasahara also. Uh, do you know about Tasahara? Yes, there is uh, hot springs. <laughs> it's a very beautiful hot springs and good meals. <laughs> so that's why uh, we visit there from the <laughs> We are not practitioners over there. <laughs> so that's feel me a second house for us. Uh, I'm really surprised. Uh, I've been here in Los, uh, Los United States over 20 some years. Uh, first came to United States in 1993, so 25 years. Then started serving to the Denshuji in 1995. Uh, do you know about uh, the baseball, Japanese baseball player Nomo? <laughs> he was my age, as old as him. And the same year, he came to Los Angeles to Dodgers. <laughs> the same year, same age, but something different. <laughs> At the time, uh, maybe Nomo was dreaming to uh, play at the Major League. Then I was dreaming that uh, become the bilingual. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Uh, then try to study the English. However, my English doesn't improve. <laughs> then 20 years uh, I forget about the Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> so I supposed to become the bilingual, but actually became the uh, semi-lingual. <laughs> <laughs> That's my uh, uh, experience in United States. <laughs> and also, uh, this is my first uh, visiting the Texas. <laughs> but met the, uh, the old friend. <laughs> It was very uh, funny, but I feel the many relations, 20 years relations, spread all over. Just one person came to San Francisco who was uh, Suzuki Roshi. He 
was there, that's why spread then all over. Not only the Suzuki Roshi. Just we don't know, but Mayuzumi Roshi, Katagiri Roshi, Yamada Reirin Zenji, so many Zen priests came. That's we didn't know. We see that uh, many things, but actually, more than the visible things, there is. Invisible. Just we cannot see. Like uh, for the relations, we human beings uh, must have the uh, parents that born in this world, right? Mother and father, at least two person as a human being. So those father and mother have the parents, right? So we call grandparents. Two of each size four. Total uh, four grandparents you have. At least. Okay, now counting that back the parents, grandparents. Great grandparents, how many you have? Eight. Eight. And great great grandparents, how many you have? Sixteen. Great, 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 great. great. <laughs> how about twenty generations? Counting back, uh, it's about 400 years span, 20 generations. How many people do we need? I cannot calculate. Mm -hmm. So I used my uh, uh, <laughs> phone <laughs> to calculate, but it was not enough digit. So I used the calculator then it's become the total number of the 20 generations we call ancestors. It's became over 2 million. Hmm. Can you imagine? Then those over 2 million people had a common story. Each person has a different personal history. However, <coughs> there is a common thing is they got the baby. They had a successful love story. If your great-great-grandfather asked your great-great-grandmother, please marry me, then if your great-great-grandmother said, I'm sorry, you're not my type, <laughs> <laughs> then you're not here. <laughs> <laughs> so all two million successful love story behind you. <laughs> then they got a baby. How many times parents have to change a diaper for the one baby? It's about mm, roughly 8,000 times. <laughs> <laughs> they have to change a diaper. But this is in case of disposable diaper. Our age or older, our parents use a clothes diaper. In the case, over 10,000 times, they had to change the diaper. That's we don't remember, right? They all 2 billion people did. That's what we are here. Not only changing diaper, clothes diaper, in case of Close the clothes diaper. They had to wash the diaper, dry, 
and hold it and change again uh, day and night. Then we can go to the restroom by ourselves. Not only to change diaper, they have to uh, feed you, make the food. This means have to earn the money to buy the food. All those two million people did. That's why we are here. But we don't care about it, right? If we feel that, then our life, we can realize that our life is not started when we are born. Our life is inherit all those people linked to you, linked to me. Our life is not by mind. This is important life we inherit from all those people. That's we consider uh, what that's why we put importance for uh, lineage or ancestors or uh, interdependent uh, connections for all the things. Try to think, try to imagine and feel. So he, he mentioned that uh, the connection is important. I really feel today, when I met the, uh, the Timson, uh, I really feel appreciation for this connection. Uh, our temple, my temple is located in the Los Angeles, near uh, Little Tokyo downtown Los Angeles. When you come to Los Angeles, please visit us. And as he mentioned, we celebrate 100 year anniversary, another four years. Please join us. We are planning to have a Jukai. Jukai is a um, precept ceremony. Uh, we invite many uh, priests from Japan and also uh, American teachers uh, cooperate to uh, make this happen. So all of you will be invited. Uh, please join us uh, for 100 year anniversary. And thank you for listening to my poor English. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. Yeah, what a wonderful um, coincidence, you know. Of, um, so uh, Isho Fujita was my roommate in, uh, oh. in San Francisco. <laughs> So somehow that presence got brought to this room too. Um, so yeah, connections, lots of connections. Um, so please join us for some tea and uh, snacks and we can chat some more. Uh, so thank you. Mm -hmm.